Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf and this week's episode about the book Storyworthy by Matthew Dix. Keep listening to find out why your stories need to be sticky, the elements of the story and know it's not the hero's journey, and how you don't need a big or interesting life to tell good stories. You're listening to Steph's Business Bookshelf, doing the reading so you don't have to. Welcome back and this week's book is a little bit of a different one. This one is definitely still non-fiction. I probably wouldn't put it in the business book category per se, but it's definitely a very helpful resource. And one of the things I'll talk about later is who I'd recommend this to. And I think there's a lot of people out there who are in senior leadership roles, who are trying to influence others or all who are trying to influence others, who could be better at storytelling. Now, storytelling is very hot right now. There's a lot of different books and resources and videos and consultants who are working in this storytelling space. The thing I really liked about this book is that it moves away from some of the advice or just puts a bit of a different spin on storytelling to some of the business style storytelling courses or advice that we're often given. So for example, this isn't just a book about the hero's journey. I've read a couple of books and articles about storytelling where it really just comes back to that hero's journey. If you don't know about the hero's journey, I recommend you go and do some reading or have a look about that because it is a fantastic storytelling format but there is so much more to tell about storytelling than just that one structure. So particularly, I particularly like that about the book and I've come back to it a couple of times when thinking about turning anecdotes into stories. Before we get stuck into the three big ideas I took from the book Story Worthy by Matthew Dix, here is a little bit about the author. Matthew Dix is an international best-selling author of novels which have been translated into more than 25 languages worldwide. When not hunched over a computer screen, Matthew fills his days as an elementary school teacher, a storyteller, a speaking coach, a blogger, a wedding DJ, a minister, a life coach, and a lord of Sealand. I thought I did a lot until I read this book and saw Matthew's bio. He has been teaching for 21 years and is a former West Hartford Teacher of the Year and a finalist for the Connecticut Teacher of the Year. Matthew is a 39-time Moth Story Slam champion and a six-time Grand Slam champion whose stories have been featured on their nationally syndicated Moth Radio Hour and their weekly podcast. Now, one of my favourite takeaways from this book was discovering the Moth. I'd never heard of the Moth Story Slam or the Moth before, and I've became quite obsessed with their podcast after reading the book. When I want to hear a different type of story, a different type of message, and just real human stories, I do come back to the Moth podcast. Other interesting thing is I actually heard about Matthew. I'd never heard of him before. I hadn't heard of the book, but I heard about him on my friend Leanne Hughes's podcast, The First Time Facilitator. I'll put a link to that episode in the show notes. Well worth listening to. And I obviously highly recommend you subscribe to Leanne's podcast anyway, particularly if you are in the facilitation space because she shares some fantastic advice and has some awesome guests in there. Love your work, Leanne. All right, a little bit about the book. Whether we realize it or not, we are always telling stories on a first date or a job interview, in a sales presentation or a therapy appointment, with family or friends. We are constantly narrating events and interpreting emotions and actions. In doing so, we make choices about what to emphasize and what to leave out. We frame and explain in order to amuse, rationalize, or just plain vent. Matthew's wonderfully straightforward and engaging tips and techniques for constructing, telling, and polishing any story show that anyone can learn to be an appealing storyteller, that everyone has had something story-worthy to express. And, perhaps most importantly, that the act of creating and telling a tale is a powerful way of understanding and enhancing one's own life. And that and the introduction to to Matthew are both taken from the Matthew Dix website. Link is in the show notes. 
So on that, let's dive into the three big ideas I took from the book Storyworthy by Matthew Dix. Big idea number one is that you don't need a big or interesting life to tell good stories. A real theme and emphasis of the book is this idea of five second moments. So Matthew talks about the fact that it's often in those small everyday scenarios. For example, when he took his son for a wee on a train or when he had dinner with his family and realized that his wife knows him better than he knows himself. It's those little tiny moments that create significance, create meaning, and can be quite transformational in terms of your own understanding of yourself, your life, your family, your friends, the relationships, what's happening to you. It's what gives meaning. It isn't necessarily the big moments, which are great anecdotes, but aren't always great stories. You just need to know, and Matthew argues quite strongly, that you just need to know what you're looking for and seek out those five second moments. He quite importantly emphasizes throughout that anecdote, these are the holiday stories, the drinking stories from your uni days. These aren't stories. I mean, they're stories in some ways, but they're they're anecdotes, really. And those things don't always make great stories. When you think about a story, and I've said story about a billion times in this sentence, but when you think about stories as having meaning, having making sense, an anecdote doesn't quite fill those. Yes, you can still tell them. Yes, they're still, they're still witty and amusing and might entertain your friends over dinner or at the pub, but it's stories that make people stop. It's stories that make people reflect on their own lives and create meaning or understand something differently or create empathy that previously didn't exist. One of the biggest takeaways from the book is this idea of the homework for life which is at the end of each day, writing down and having a diary or an electronic way of of collating this information every single day, making a note of something. And it can be a passing thing. It can be something that doesn't really seem to feel like it means anything at that point. But over time, when you look back over those, those little moments from each day, you start to see, you start to see the stories in those potentially seemingly insignificant moments or you start to see the theme. You start to see there's a real theme behind or between what you are pulling out of each day. It's through doing this practice, and Matthew's been doing this for for many, many years now, and has documents and documents and reams of notepaper with all of his homework for life in. And it's through doing that that he has been able to find those moments of meaning. And now he just sees them when they're happening, rather than having to really reflect on those as much, because he's in the habit of looking for those stories. In some ways, this felt a little bit, I don't want to say hypocritical, that's probably a bit too strong, but it seemed a bit hypocritical for Matthew to be writing some of this advice that you don't need a big or interesting life because he has had an incredibly eventful life all the way from his childhood through to his more recent adult life. He's nearly died twice. He's been the victim of armed robbery. He's been in this horrendous car crash, which a number of the stories came out of. But the point is that in through all of those massive moments in his life, it's not the big event that is the story. It's usually what happened afterwards, someone's reaction, rather than the big dramatic car crash, rather than the person pulling the gun on him. All of those things are the anecdote part of the story, but the story is the meaningful thing that happened before, during or afterwards that gave that moment meaning. A really good supplement to the book for that reason is the Moth podcast, because there you can hear stories from different people who are telling stories around really quite ordinary things sometimes. But it was that five second moment, that glimmer of something that changed, that shifted, that created something that wasn't there before in sometimes a quite mundane, normal, average Tuesday. So I really recommend listening to that as well. 
So big idea number one is that you don't need a big or interesting life to tell good stories. Big idea number two is that the story must be sticky. So this is where Matthew gets into the technical or the technique of telling a story. Now, there's elements of this that overlays with some of other existing structures around hero's journey and you know, beginning, middle and end, some of those kind of things, you know, fairly traditional methods of storytelling. So he calls these the stakes, the elephants, the breadcrumbs, the backpacks and the hourglasses. I'm not going to go into all of those now, but those are the technical elements. This is the, the bit of the science behind the arts of storytelling. And this technique is really how story crafting is different to just telling what happened or the difference between a story and an anecdote. This is what makes it compelling. The other important part is adding humor, which you want to add, but you can't, can't be overdone because if you people are too busy killing themselves laughing, they'll miss that shift, that change, that moment where you turn and everyone has a oh or an aha moment which that will be missed the subtlety of that will be missed if there's too much humor so it's interesting to see that that balance and why that's important to have and peppered through but used very carefully what this caused me to do is to unpick some of my anecdotes so i had a as i was reading this i did a quick list of some of my favorite anecdotes that i tell and to really think about well, how do i turn those anecdotes into stories yeah they're fairly decent anecdotes on their own but are they really stories or could some of them become stories if I worked on them a little bit more? So that was really fun to, to go through and then and practice some of that with some things that I use in workshops quite regularly or in, in other forums that I, I speak in. A little side note, actually with that life homework activity that I mentioned in the last big idea, that is something that I, I did when I first read the book. So for about four months, actually, I started to document at the end of each day, just in notes on my iPhone. I would make a little note, what was something that stuck out that day? And it was actually quite hard, which is probably why I slightly fell out of the habit of doing it, but I will go back to it. Now I've reread some of the book for, uh, for this podcast. But what I did find over a period of three or four months of doing it was some themes. There were some really clear themes for me. All of them were to do with connection, other people, a conversation, which if nothing else, really did show what the most important parts of my day are or the things that really stick out are always the ones that can, are related to connecting with others. Having a great conversation, having a moment where you just feel like the conversation, we should have made, I should have had maybe a different conversation with someone, opened up something that you know needed to, you know, an elephant in the room or something like that. But there was some really interesting trends when I started to look back over at, over the notes even though I was finding it quite difficult to pinpoint a five second moment every single day. But that is the thing that comes with the habit and you start to then see those. So that's big idea number two is that the story must be sticky and that there is science behind the art of storytelling. Big idea number three is the power of but and therefore in stories. This again is a little bit of a technical element, but it, this is what joins together. It creates tension, it creates momentum, it creates conflict. And most importantly, it prevents the and then, and then, and then, and then, which I'm very guilty of. Everyone will be. Who's been on a holiday, come back to tell their friends or family about the holiday and be like, and then we did this, and then we did that, and then I did this, and then I ate this, and then I ate that, and then we did that, and then we did this. It's quite boring, but that's generally a typical anecdote, which is again, the difference between an anecdote and a story. This is really the polish. It creates the polish of a, for a story, it creates interest and it creates causation. I actually use this in my writing and, and this is the good thing about this book is that you can apply it to your written work you're doing, your emails, your presentations, your sales pitch, whatever it is, all of this, there's, there's links and there's lessons 
for all communication in this book. I actually used it in my writing, particularly my emails to my mum and dad. So at the end of each week, I'll email my mum and dad and say, you know, this is what I did this week. Usually they're quite long. I've usually had quite a busy week. But what it caused me to do was to pause and actually rather than being like, then on Monday I did this and then on Tuesday I did that. I don't actually write like a five-year-old, but you know, you get the idea. It made me think about how I create some causation and use some different joining words and some, some just, you know, even creating some tension sometimes in my emails just for fun, you know, not nothing dramatic. Don't want to scare my mum and dad, but it's a fun way of actually applying some of these skills in dinner conversations with friends or family, or like I said, in your email to your parents at the end of the week. And it's quite a simple technique. It literally is using, but, and therefore more often. So thinking about what is the causation of this? This thing happened, but what, what did that cause? Or what was the momentum that was created from that one event or that thing happening or that conversation? So try it yourself, just use but and therefore a little bit more often. And particularly if you're finding yourself writing or talking about a string of events as a string of events. So that was big idea number three, the power of but and therefore. So as a bit of a recap, big idea number one is that you don't need a big or interesting life to tell good stories. The power is in those little five second moments, which everyone has. Big idea number two is that the story must be sticky which involves thinking about some of the techniques, some of that science in the art of storytelling. And big idea number three is the power of but and therefore in stories, creating that tension, that momentum and that conflict. One of the quotes I really liked from this book is around why we craft stories and why that's important and why, again, there's a difference between stories and anecdotes. It was stories are the crafted representation of events that are related in such a way to demonstrate change over time in the life of the teller. Because the story is bigger, it's like I said, it's meaning, it's momentum, it's change, it's evolution. It's all of those different things that are human and make us connect and create empathy and interest and the moments that people can relate to. There's another part of the book where he talks about the comprehensible moments in our larger stories. So it's not about the big event, it's about the micro moments that happen around it that people can connect to and relate to and that's important because not everyone has had these big dramatic events happen to them so you've got to boil it down to the bits that are meaningful and that people can say actually i've been let down before or i've felt lost before or i felt that elation and that relief before so it's those bits that are important the connectable relatable parts As I mentioned, I'd really recommend this book for more interesting presentations. You're better dinner party guests. Maybe you'll get invited out more if you take the lessons from this book. Who knows? You'll get to also understand yourself better, particularly if you do some of the homework. And there's a few different parts of the book. You know, he's a teacher after all, where he sets homework, including the life homework. So every day thinking about those five second moments. Also some more in-depth ones where you then build those out and start to think about well, what is what is this story and, and some free writing and some of those other uh, some other great storytelling techniques to build that storytelling muscle in your mind. As I mentioned, this is also a book that is supplemented really nicely with a number of YouTube clips from Matthew and other moth storytellers, the Moth Story Slam or the Moth Podcast. You can also find a Moth Story Slam near you. They operate in a number of different countries and cities around the world. So I definitely recommend having a look, going out and seeing some stories being told in real life and just seeing that the the story is not the event. The story is the moment of meaning as part of that. Again, I put a link in the show notes to the Moth website where you can find a Story Slam near you. And who knows, maybe like Matthew, you'll end up going to one, telling a first story for the first time and winning it. And who knows, maybe you'll beat Matthew's record, which I think is a world record or certainly a moth record for 
being a 39-time Moth Story Slam champion and six-time Grand Slam champion. So those are the big three ideas I took from Storyworthy by Matthew Dix. Hugely recommend reading the book. It's not a long read either. It's pretty punchy, as you really hope and expect from someone who's writing a book about storytelling and making it more compelling. I'd probably recommend it over a long weekend or maybe a holiday because it's one that you might want to reflect on a little bit more and think about your own life and some of the threads and themes that you might want to pull out as your own stories. If you've read the book, I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what you think. And if you go away and read the book after this, again, I'd love to know if you find yourself invited to more good dinner parties. Let me know. All the contact details, as usual, are in the show notes. Otherwise, until next time, happy reading. <laughs>